Delivering managed services can be a labor of love. Sometimes you enjoy what you do. Other times, well, not so much. And that's why it's so painful, so distressing, when you perform a service for a customer just to have that customer turn around and say, I didn't ask for that, and I'm not paying for it. It's called scope denial, and it stings. Want to avoid it? Listen up. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Technology Bradcast. I'm Brad Gross, attorney to MSPs nationwide and the self-proclaimed Sultan of Service Contracts. And I'm glad you tuned in for episode 44, the episode where I talk about scope denial. So, wait, what the hell is scope denial? Well, if you've never heard of scope denial, there's a good reason for that. I just came up with the term a few days ago. Yes, I invented it. Good for me. I don't think it will be covered in the history books, but you know, maybe it will. Who knows? But I digress. More important than the fact that I came up with the term is why? Why did I think of this term? How did the phrase pop into my brain and make its way to the most popular MSP devoted podcast on earth? Well, I have a client that's battling with one of its customers over a bill that the customer doesn't want to pay. The customer's reason for not paying? Well, the work, which was done on a time and materials basis, was approved by the former, yes, former IT director, who, so says the customer, didn't have the authority to approve the work. But here's the kicker. The customer did pay for the services for almost eight months, but now the customer doesn't want to pay any further because, well, you know, the customer says that the work shouldn't have been approved to begin with. This is an example of scope denial. This is where a customer denies that the scope of a service is as broad as the MSP claims it to be. It's the worst kind of scope-related problem because it rears its ugly head after the service has been performed. It pops up after the MSP has already put in its time and money to perform a service for its customer. That's compared to scope creep. We all know scope creep, right? That occurs when a customer keeps asking for more and more under a scope of work, and the MSP keeps giving in and providing a little bit more and more until at some point the scope of the project has far exceeded the original scope of work. In negotiation strategy, we call this small concession syndrome. But for service providers, we know this as scope creep. Now, let me give you an example to show you the difference between scope creep and what we're talking about today, scope denial. Let's take a simple one. Our hypothetical MSP is migrating a customer's data from an on-prem location to a cloud solution. Let's say they're migrating to an Azure environment. All right, the migration is being done for a flat fee, and all other work, as per the scope of work, is being done on a time and materials basis. Under a scope creep example, the customer might say something like, hey, I know the migration is done for a flat fee, but that also includes you training our people about how to work the cloud environment, right? That's an example of the customer expanding the scope to include something that wasn't in the original quoted flat fee work. 
And then after that, maybe the customer will say, you know what, while you're here, could you also just take a look at this workstation that's been acting up? That's another example of scope creep. The scope keeps getting bigger, but the amount that the MSP charges stays the same. It effectively reduces the value of the MSP's services because more services are being crammed under the same flat fee. Now, in our example, scope denial would occur if the customer approved additional work on a time and materials basis and then turned around after the work was done and denied that the work was supposed to be done in the first place. It would sound something like, hey, MSP, I know that you were doing the migration, but our IT director shouldn't have approved doing anything on a time and materials basis because we don't really have the budget for that. See, that's scope denial. In the scope creep situation, the MSP can exercise some degree of control because it can stop itself from being taken advantage of. But in the scope denial situation, the MSP is at an extreme disadvantage because it already performed the work. It already expended its resources, and now it has to defend or justify its activities after the fact. Scope creep is annoying, but scope denial totally sucks. So, what do you do to avoid scope denial, and what can you do when you find yourself stuck in a scope denial situation? First things first, make sure that you're MSA, your master services agreement, is equipped to defeat scope denial before it starts. What you need to look at is the authorized contact section of your MSA. You know, the part that talks about who on the customer's side can approve work. A lot of agreements say that the parties will identify one or more persons who can approve work under the agreement. But what happens? What happens if the parties don't actually appoint somebody? What happens if they forget to name an authorized representative? What happens if the authorized rep leaves and no one does anything to replace that person? What happens if the authorized rep is never really involved, but instead delegates the work to another person? Well, can you rely on that other person? Can that other person contractually bind your client? Here's my suggestion. Make sure that an authorized representative in your customer relationship is a person who falls under one or more of the following categories. First, it's a person who is specifically designated as an authorized rep, or, not and, but or, is the person who signed the quote to begin with, or, again, or, not and, or, any person who is delegated the task of instructing the MSP about what to do, when to do it, and so on, as evidenced by the party's communications. Again, the authorized rep should be a person who is specifically designated as an authorized rep, or the person who signed the quote, or any, and this is the crucial one, any person who is delegated the task of instructing the MSP about what to do, when to do it, and so on, as evidenced by the party's communications. That last one is crucial, because very often, the person who is initially named as an authorized rep is not the same person who actually manages or engages in the relationship, and that leads directly to scope denial. I mean, you could see how, right? The initially designated person might just be the authorized rep du jour, the person who's there for the moment and then moves to a different project or is fired or quits or dies. You know what I'm saying? You need to make it clear 
that given the totality of the circumstances, if one person has the apparent authority to act on the customer's behalf, then the customer will be bound by that person's decisions. You need to put that in your agreement. That's how you avoid scope denial. That's how you avoid a customer from later claiming that the person had no authority to act. Make it a contractual provision. So, what do you do if you're in the midst of a scope denial situation? Well, it's not fun, it's not easy, and unfortunately, most people don't get out of that kind of situation without some bruises. But here's a few strategies to help you fix a scope denial situation. And, and you can use some or all of these as they apply to your situation. First, point out to your customer that the same person who approved the scope in question is the same person who historically was permitted to approve your work product. You see, lawyers call this setting up a foundation for apparent authority. You can call it, you can't pull a fast one and suddenly deny that someone had authority to, to approve our work. Second, show your customer that it knew that the work was being done and never said stop. In conjunction with that, show your customer that it has benefited from the work. Lawyers call this strategy setting the foundation for equitable estoppel. You can call it, there's no free lunch. You knew about the work, you accepted it, you benefited from it, now pay me. Third, hopefully your agreement has an attorney's fees provision in it that says if you must enforce your agreement, and assuming you win, the customer has to pay your attorney's fees. Then, Point out to your customer that your attorney's fees will be exponentially more expensive than the work that was done, that was accepted, and that continues to benefit them. Let your customer know that the sting of attorney's fees is coming if the issue isn't resolved. Finally, make sure your attorney sends your customer an evidence preservation letter. For non-lawyers out there, that's a letter that puts the customer on notice that it's required to save all information relevant to the dispute, including internal communications about the work that was approved, like emails, memos, voicemails, and so on. Make your customer realize it won't be able to say, oh, well, we didn't know about the work, because you and I both know there will definitely be emails about the work that was done, internal memos to approve payment, approve scope, internal emails that explain the work that was being done or the benefits that the customer is getting from that work. The point is this. If you find yourself in a scope denial situation, you need to go on the offense immediately. Delays will not help you and will only further attenuate your company from the money that it's owed. That's it for this week. We'll see you on the next Technology Broadcast.